Hey everyone, Dan, the producer of the show here. We are very excited because we hit 500,000 downloads and we could not have done it without a better group of listeners like yourself, amazing guests on the show. So thank you very much. Today, we wanted to do something different. We have Kate, who was just featured recently on the Power Lunch with Frederick Bussey. She talks about pivoting, being the pivot queen, vulnerabilities of being an entrepreneur and a business owner. And I know you'll enjoy the show. Please, if you can help us out, rate, review, subscribe, and share this with a friend. I am now excited to introduce my guest. And, and Kate, I'm going to do you the honor of um, introducing yourself. But I want to read your bio because it, um, it, it speaks to what you're, what you're up to. I, I can give you the option. I didn't give you this option. Yeah, you can, you can do that. Yeah. Okay. So I want, I want to read your bio because it's, you did send it to me. And... <laughs> I, I think that it's um, it's very cool, a very cool story, and we're going to get into that a little bit more. But Kate is a serial entrepreneur, an international speaker, and a mom of two amazing boys. She has been called the Pivot Queen. She started her first business with twenty dollars and grew it into a million dollars in one year, over fifteen million in online sales to date. Next, she ventured into the spa business in order to help others who suffered from skin conditions like herself. She started with one treatment room, moved on to two locations, and she has won the Inc. 500 list twice. Um, she was born on the beautiful island of Camiguin. Camiguin? Camiguin. Camiguin. All right. Camiguin, Philippines. And she always dreamt of one day being able to provide jobs to her fellow Filipinos and promoting Camiguin, which is why she founded the boutique hotel brand Pintana Sa Paraiso. Funny story. She drew the structure on a napkin and luckily it came out amazing. Plus she was able to manage this business 100% remote from another country due to having the most amazing staff. She says she's realized through all of this that she has such a passion for creating amazing brands that inspire people and make them feel special. Today, her focus is on IBH media. She, wanted, she started by wanting to inspire more women to live their dreams of entrepreneurship with the podcast called Inspired by Her with Kate Hancock. She's been named as one of the 100 most influential Filipina in the world and a young entrepreneur to watch in 2017, a woman of the year nominee for Orange County Business Journal of Business and Excellence Award. She is an awesome, awesome young lady and I'm so excited to have her today as our guest for Power Lunch, Ms. Kate Hancock. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. That kind of like, it gives me an imposter syndrome listening to that bio. <laughs> Well, I'm just, it's all true. So it's funny when you hear things about yourself, it sounds like, did I, did I really do that? And you probably left some stuff off in there. You probably got way more amazing things. So <clears throat> I want to, I want to dive right in. Um, and sure. you were born on the island of Camigan in Philippines. What was that like for you as an experience? How did that shape you as a person and as an entrepreneur even now? Okay, so I grew up in this tiny island. I actually grew up in a family business. My grandmother started this recipe. It's, it's a dessert recipe. And I remember she started just making it a dozen. And now my aunt, which is my mom's sister, scale it into an enterprise. So they now have 300 employees. So I saw that, you know, that growth of just working together. I was a slave, a product of a slave labor, I call it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was working super early at the age of 10. I was baking. I was part of that, you know, bootstrapping stage. And it was hard 
but that really gave me a confidence that if you, you know, you, you plan it right, you do the right thing, you can scale a business. So that really gave me a confidence right there. Even though I grew up in a small islands, like we have nothing Frederick like I remember 1980s our neighbors don't have lights uh my yeah in the road but I remember my grandmother we have tv but barely literally nothing there it's a 54 miles in circumference island so we're the last thing we'll get that infrastructure right but I grew up myself reading to American uh novels and um architecture magazine which my uncle is my it's a huge influence of me. So I, I grew up very poor, but my mind is super open and wide. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. I, I think, so I, I have a similar experience in that I grew up loving to read. And I, I, I appreciate the fact that books give you access to the world, really to the universe. Cause I, you know, I was a big sci-fi fan. So dreaming was something. And it sounds like that was very similar to you. What was it about reading these American novels that really sparked your imagination and your creativity? I think when I was in high school, I started reading the Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys and detective books. Mm, and I mean, I'm really fascinated with, I guess, American culture. I feel like I'm, I'm embracing it well, even though I'm in a different country. Like, so like I, I kind of just daydreaming, what is it like being there? So I think mm. that was a huge influence for me. So how, how long was it before you actually moved to America? I'm skipping ahead a little bit and we'll, we'll yeah, go back sure. to the island. But. Yeah, so I actually moved right after college in the okay. U.S. Yeah, and I started my business in 2012. Mm-hmm. I actually worked for a skincare company, but before that I was doing this all odd jobs. I was doing wine sampling. You can see me at Costco doing sample, Walmart, you know, those promo jobs. So I was doing it, but I was trying to get as many jobs as I can because I really love their marketing playbook that they give you. Mm -hmm. They have a really good marketing studies about brands and how to do guerrilla marketing or Mm -hmm. the experiential marketing. So I'm fascinated with that. And I learned so much by doing all these odd jobs. I'm not just there trying to gain $20 an hour. I really wanted to understand the concept of how to promote a brand. And I think I, I, I catch a lot of that, uh, different odd jobs. Well, I like that. You, you're able to take this vast experience and be able to kind of consolidate it into um, workable, practical knowledge that you can use. What, what was it um, about the playbook itself? You know, I'm kind of getting a little bit into the entrepreneurial, but, but I'm curious, what was it about the, the branding and, and things that you were able to pluck out and really be able to use in your own businesses? I think how to create a really good lead magnet, lead magnet and mm-hmm. how to really close the sale. And I love connecting to people, getting to know what exactly though they want. You know, like closing that sale is really is an addiction for me because I'm really good at it. <laughs> yeah, so I started working for the skincare company. It's a smaller brand. Uh, so they were in a 300 thousand revenue a year and I was just a sales rep and I I deploy everything that I know and how to sell doing sampling that's how you do it in skincare Mm -hmm. and I think they made it they scale into a 10 million dollar with a lot of my help and so I asked my boss like hey I need I need a um I need an increase in my salary and he said no so okay I'm quitting (laughs) 
So I actually tried to resign twice and they don't want to let me go, but then they're not willing to pay me. But I recognize my value that I can do this. Like it really gave me a confidence. I can deploy a sales process and marketing playbook and how to really sell skincare. And so I started, you know, it's funny. I wasn't even planning and creating a business. It just happened. Really? I was actually at Costco. I was doing a sampling again. That was my job. Mm -hmm. And I know the fact that any item at Costco that ends with zero or nine, that's a clearance item. So I started listing it on Amazon. That was my first day. So I bought a $20 of a box and packaging tape and I started fulfilling orders online. And that was the start. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Literally, it literally was an accident almost that you kind of stumbled into. But I love, I love how you, so I love that your mindset was still, what can I do with this? How could I take this and repurpose this and create something of more value out of it? Do you feel like that was something that you kind of gained from your upbringing, watching your, your family build a business? Absolutely. Yeah, that really helps me a lot. Like, again, that gave me a lot of confidence and being the company that I'm involved with, they scale so much and I put so much strategy in there and they're loving it, right? They're like, oh my God, you know so much more than me. Like, I don't even know that I know all these things, right? Mm -hmm. But my boss, he was really appreciative and he really uh, molded me to like think bigger. And I'm very grateful for that, even though they're not willing to pay me for my talent. So, so talk about that a little bit, how your boss was able to kind of shape your mindset to think bigger. Um, because a lot of, when we talk about leadership, a lot of times we think about a boss as just somebody who just tells you what to do and you follow instructions, right? But he actually, you're, you're giving him credit for molding you into uh, an earlier version of the mogul that you're becoming, right? How was he able to do that? Was it through um, verbal encouragement? Was it through visualization? What, what, what was the process that, that kind of looked like for you? Okay, so he was the vice president of a company. He's younger than his brother. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm telling him what I'm doing. And he said, like, you know, actually so much. And so he actually coached me what his boss coached him because he mm-hmm. made so much mistakes, right? And so he's giving me all the points on how to lead and doing all this thing. So I'm very appreciative of that. But he told me one day, you just started and you're so much better than me. I think you really have a good future. And that really stuck into my brain. And that really super gave me that confident boost. It just takes only that one person Mm -hmm. that will really give that to you and you give it all. And I think I gave it all. And after this day, I, will, I would still text him like, hey, this is what I've done. And he would respond like, I know you're going to do something big. So I was so grateful. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, it really speaks to the power of, of coaching, but also the power of uh, great leaders to turn around and empower those who, are, who they're leading. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are now, you've taken this $20 and you've put it online and things start to take off. Take us through that journey, what that was like in that first year as you were starting to realize that this thing you had stumbled upon by accident, um, this idea was really starting to grow into something much, much bigger than you ever thought. All right. So I get really obsessed. I get really addicted to it. 
I, I don't even want to waste a second of brushing my hair. That's not a priority to me. Wow. I'm seeing the algorithm and data and every second I'm making $50, $30 with not having capital. Mm. And so it's like, who's going to give me this opportunity of making this much money, right? right. So my eyes glued in that computer. I don't want to like, I don't want to blink because I don't want to waste that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So it was such an exciting time. It was chaotic. I was messy. I don't really know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Like I'm in, in this garage packing and shipping and listing. And I get really addicted to it. I would look for other stores. I would go to Nordstrom Rock. I would go to other clearance places. I was just trying to find items. Now mm -hmm. this is in 2012 when everything was easy, when right. Amazon was lenient. Um, so a lot, the right timing plays a crucial role in the success as well. Right. Well, now it's so much harder to do it. They're more strict, uh, beauty brands are gated, but this is like a wild, wild west for me. And I was looking like, oh my God, what am I going to do all this money? I've never had this money ever. Right. So mm -hmm. I would pack and ship. I was so excited. I hired actually VA virtual assistants in the Philippines to help me list. And I would record them. This is what you need to do. This is how you list product. And no one had trained me how to do all these things. I was just figuring it out myself, just looking at algorithm and, you know, embracing my intuition, like, okay, this is working. I'm selling this. Mm -hmm. And that was so much fun. It just, a lot of that is, it, it was, it was very interesting for me. It's, it's so intriguing to me because you stumble upon this thing, but you, you, you just acted on it, right? There are a lot of us who just kind of have an idea and think, oh, maybe I'll do that one day or, or somebody else could do that better. And to you, to, it seems as if you didn't even have a second thought about that. Or if you did, you kind of worked through it. Um, what was that kind of process like? Am, am, am I right in how I'm assessing that? Or was it, yeah, was there some... Was there some kind of blockage that you kind of had to work through or no? No, not at all. I'm, I'm in this opportunity. What do I have to lose of not doing anything? Zero, right? right. So I'm fearless in that sense. Like, what do I have to lose? Literally nothing. I started with $20. Mm -hmm. So I'm just putting all gas pedal and doing this. And uh, it was so exciting. I, I gained so much from doing that. I was able to buy a house, my, my dream car, travel the world. And, but at the same time, you scale too fast, too soon, mm -hmm. and you don't have the right team and mindset to run it. It's going to bite your ass. That's a big learning for me. <laughs> um, so go, go, go ahead. Kate, I was going to ask if you could give an example of how that came back to bite you in some way. Okay. So I'm running this eight figure brand with my team of a mindset of a six figure, mm -hmm. it's going to eat you alive. So when right. you scale from, from six figure or eight, uh, eight figure business, you need to have a team that has an eight figure mindset mm -hmm. to run that thing. You have a system. I don't have system in place. I was just running it in the garage because I was being cheap right? I don't know what I was doing. Right. And I have one team that doing logistics, all my team are in the US. I mean, in the Philippines as a virtual assistant. So in order for you to scale the right way, you need to have the right mindset and team going in that growth. Mm -hmm. 
stage. So what were some of the lessons that you learned in, in that you had to do um, personally to grow as a leader, to grow your team? Because you mentioned having your team have an eight-figure mindset. It seemed like you had to make that shift as well. What was that like for you? It was the control thing in the beginning. You want to mm. do it all. You want you to earn as much money as you can because you're so you know, you just want it all. And that's terrible. You know, when you want to control everything, you're only going to be good as your hand can reach. Right. right? It's, it's, right. And it's, it's, it's very typical for a solo entrepreneur. I understand that you have to do all of it in the beginning, but when you're in an eight figure business, you have to get rid of that mindset or it's going to crumble at some right. point. Right. right. So I, you know, I actually learned that in Harvard Business School. I was like, oh my God, I'm doing everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. So you actually did enroll in business school. What, what, what point was that? Um, it was, you? no, it was a short co uh, course through the Entrepreneurs' Organization. It's a five-day okay. learning okay. Uh, journey of being an entrepreneur. So that really opened my eyes. Like, man, I, I did it wrong. But hey, I was in there doing my thing in the garage, made it happen. But in 2018, Amazon actually suspended my account. So I lost that business again. Yes. So this is uh, a day before my wedding. We are flying to the Philippines to get married and Amazon suspend my account. And that really teaches me how not to be dependent in one Mm -hmm. source. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you can't just, you don't want to build a house in a rented land. That's right. what I learned, right? right. If, 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 it's, if your business rely on Amazon, that's actually Amazon's business. If your traffic source is from Facebook, then that's Mark Zuckerberg's, uh, Mark's business. Right. So I so learned true. that I can't be rely into, you know, other people's source. It has to be mine. So I need to build my email list you know, I need to own the real estate. And that's what I learned from that disaster. So one of the happiest days of your life, the day before you have the most devastating news that you've ever had in your career. How did you bounce back from that? You talked about the lessons that you learned, but what was that process like for you to pick yourself up? You know, you're, you're, you're now starting a family, you're, you're, you have a husband. Um, what, <laughs> what is that like? It was terrible. It was mm. probably the most depressing moments of my life. Like I, ha- I had it good in the last uh, six years. And I suffered from like, I literally hide under the sheets for three months. My husband helped wow. me get through it. It was very hard. It's hard for you to swallow. You can't see the light. Um, it took me a while, but I think three months is the maximum for me to to be sad about it. I, I talked to a lot of my friends. I really tried to get support from from people that are entrepreneurs so that really helps me but mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's up to you how you're gonna make stand up and face the new challenge right like you can they can give you the best advice but it's up to you when you're gonna stop that mystery that you're dealing with so right. for me COVID to me is nothing. I've already done that storm. This is nothing to me. At least this one, I could see the data that this is happening. That one is like abrupt stop. And that's very difficult. I think that's awesome. A great way of framing or reframing your, your perspective about things. Mm-hmm. 
So three months you're down, you know, you, you licked your wounds and suddenly you decide you're going to make this next step. How long after that was it before you started to launch your next idea and what take us through that process, what that was like for you? Okay. So I don't do something that I don't have a plan B, C, D, X, Y, Z, right? So while I was doing the e-commerce, I already open a spa as a backup plan because I could see some red flag happening that I know it's not going to last forever. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's already going on while the main business shut down. So I think, yeah, two years before the shutdown, I already have it going with a facial center, OC facial center. So that was the plan B for Mm -hmm. me. So it's like, again, you can't just rely on one traffic source. So you had the one, the one treatment room that you had opened up in the spa. And so you decided to expand. Um, take us through that process there, building something else. It wasn't from scratch because you had it waiting in the wings, but you had to start scaling it. And what was that process like for you? Because it's a different, it's a similar industry. It's related, but it's different. So, um, because you went from online you almost did the reverse. A lot of people go from physical to online. You went from online to physical. What was that process like for you? And how did you, how did you have to think differently about the business and maybe even about your own leadership skills? Mm-hmm. Well, I, before my e-commerce, I worked for the Estee Lauder company selling makeup. So that I know how it is to acquire, you know, to close, I mean, to maximize the sale over one client. So that really, uh, that was easy for me. Um, This is a whole new game, right? And I I tap into this business where I know nothing about on how to run a spa. I just Google pretty much everything and put it together, Mm -hmm. put pieces together. I think the key for you to dominate a local business is you really need to learn how to story tell of your story. I think that was a big key for me. Mm-hmm. Um, get as much as support to your local community, whether it's a Facebook groups. I utilize that a lot. And um, again, hiring the right people to run your company. So I was mm-hmm. really not there. I was an absentee owner while running a spa. So uh, that really helps. So I think you really need to deploy a good marketing playbook into running a local business to be successful. So so I scaled up, sorry, one treatment room into two brick and mortar store. Mm. And so these were, where were these located? This is in Orange County. Okay. So when you're building these out, um, let, can, can we dive into that a little bit? I, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I love talking about storytelling uh, because a lot of entrepreneurs kind of neglect this part. A lot of, even a lot, a lot of businesses, really huge companies struggle with this part of storytelling because they think it's about just pushing the product and pushing the product. How did you start thinking about storytelling about your business and, um, and engaging the customers into this experience that was immersive for them? Yeah. Okay. So I, I have, I suffered eczema that's all my life. So I, 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 
I was using a storytelling t- technique and I was super genuine about it and what I'm going through. I understand how you feel having this mm-hmm. acne or eczema. So I tap into that. But at the same time, they know who you are. And I, I have a few clients that would come in like, you know, I, I Google you online, but I'm, I relate to you more of mm-hmm. your story. So that's easier conversion for you when your story tell compared mm-hmm. to the other one instead of you just selling the benefits what does that do you're like brand new technology no one really cares about it what mm-hmm. makes people embrace you who you are who what your brand value is who you are as a person that's relatable and that's right. real so you telling your story was a way of building out the bigger brand story for for your spa and for um for your customers let's Let's kind of go back into the personal aspect of that, right? So you're building this business. You've got a new family. You, you now have two sons that you're raising. Um, how were you able to balance the personal side of life, right? I know that we have a lot of uh, young women who, uh, who are watching this and who are entrepreneurs or have dreams of either having, <clears throat> building their career, continuing to be ambitious of what they're doing, but they also have to balance um, being the idea of having a family. And so there's this whole notion of having it all, right? And if anybody could be said to have it all, I, we would, I might say that you have it all. But what has that been like for you? How, how have you had to learn to juggle, if, if so? Or is it a perfect balance for you? What is that like for a young woman who is building an empire? In the beginning, if you're doing a startup, you have to pick one or the other. Unfortunately, I wasn't there for my kids. Uh, I didn't have a good balance. I was just, all I, I did is work. And I think the one, one night I, I asked my son, like, Hey, what do you, how, if you describe me, what would you say? And my youngest one told me like, mom, you're a workaholic. And that really opens my eyes and it breaks my heart. And that was really hard for me, but they, their grandmother was taking care of them full time. I'm not saying I had it, I got it figured out. It was very difficult. I'm missing all their place. Mm -hmm. But when you are doing a bootstrap, it's either business or family. It's hard to balance that. I'm learning just that now, Mm -hmm. but as a solo entrepreneur, you have to pick or the other, or it's not gonna, it's hard to scale with just doing it one or the other. Wow. Wow. No, I think it's powerful. Um, You're, and I appreciate you being honest with us because a lot of people will pretend like, oh, you know, you could just, you have to learn about work-life balance and, you know, how to juggle things. But there, there's a really real aspect to it. And I think a lot of people, especially with COVID, you know, who, who maybe they had a career and now they're working from home or they, they had an idea of starting a business. They have a job, they're working from home, they're starting a business and they realize, oh, wait, I've got kids <laughs> that now I have to help through school and I've got to parent them in this space so that, that can be a real thing. And so I appreciate your perspective on that. Um, but you, you didn't stop there because you started the spa brand and then you pivoted. You're literally called the pivot queen. And I can see because you pivoted again into another business. Tell us what that was like. Um, and I think this one is the one that you started from scratch from a, from a napkin, from drawing yeah. a napkin. So I was running the spa and again, um, I think being a visionary, you're just not excited into like creating one thing. You're just, I'm like ADD by nature, <laughs> right? Like I have to 
do different things at one time right. or else you will get bored. So um, I, I bought this land a while back and I told my team, my VAs that I utilized for my e-commerce store, hey, I, I really wanted to have one tiki hat just for me to, you know, a place for me to relax and you know, that's my thing, right? Just mm -hmm. one tiki hat. So I started doing that. And even it took them like, I think, eight months to a year. If I was there, I would be done it in like 30 days, because that's just how I do things, right? So I started listing it an Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And I was booked six months in advance, I keep on decline, declining guests. Wow. I was like, hmm, the data seems really good in this one, right? So it's like, okay, so I get really excited about it. So underneath that tiki hat, I build another room underneath it. And then I book again. So again, I have another opportunity. So I build another four rooms. So it's a tiki hat. You have your own pool right by the ocean. So it's like you have an infinity pool, each room. So I'm wow. booked again. Because I purchased this land, didn't really plan of creating a business. I don't have enough land to expand. So I created another, uh, you know, location in the mountain place where I have hectares so I could build more rooms. Mm -hmm. Again, seeing that data and knowing that I get, I mean, I'm seeing that I'm getting traction and that's when. I exploit an opportunity and scale into two locations. And I'm actually, supposedly before COVID, I'm going to build my third location in another island. So this thing stopped. So that's what happened with the hotel brand. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it's, it's funny to me because I'm sensing a theme. And the theme in your life is that it's not always that you're planning out this perfect plan for what you're going to do. It's just that you're prepared to pivot, right? You, you, had this, you had the spa room, so there was an opportunity for you to grow that when the Amazon business went down. You had the tiki hut and the land when you decided you wanted to do something else. And so the opportunity isn't there. You're, you're able to exploit opportunities because you're prepared for opportunities. Is that, does it talk about, a little bit about the mindset that it takes to have that because a lot of people will go all in on one thing and just, you know, this is going to last forever. And then when it blows up or something else happens that they're not ready. Can you talk about how you have cultivated a mindset of being prepared for the next thing? I think the key for me is I always start small, whether it's a $20 or a one treatment room. And once I get attraction, then I put full gas on it. So that's mm. my experimenting stage. Mm. See what's out there. It's like fishing rod. Like, is there a bait? Okay, I right. get fish. Then there's a lot of fish in that area, right? And that's right. when I keep on doing, maybe use a bigger boat to grab all that fish. So uh, that's how I run business or create a business. And I tell that to everyone, just start small. Mm -hmm. Because if you have all this plan, sometimes I think you overthink things. And mm -hmm. the, more you, you, the more you follow all this plan, I think that's just for me, it takes you 
it takes so much of your time rethinking and strategizing rather than you testing the market. Do you really have the market? Do people really want your product or services? Right. Then that's a way better data than you just analyzing all the time. So I love that. I think that's, that's amazing that you talk, you talk about experimenting and starting small. So the risk is so low that even if you fail, one, there's, there's, you don't lose that much, right? $20 is not much to lose. But the other thing is that there's not a lot of damage to your ego that you have to overcome, right? So it sounds like you say, okay, well, I can brush that off, or it didn't work, or whatever. You don't take it personally, because $20 yeah. is not, or, or this little thing over here is not a big investment of yourself into that whole, that whole process. Does that sound, sound right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I start small. And that's, I guess that's my family influence too, by starting small and then go big. Yeah, that, that, I think that's always my, that's always my strategy. And like, again, once I get traction and data is there, then do full gas. So let's talk a little bit about being a, a woman entrepreneur. You're a leader of several different brands now you have, and you have also again, pivoted to another thing that you are focused on with IBH Media. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that as well, but I also want to talk about the fact that as a, a woman entrepreneur, you have to deal with certain pressures or perceptions of who you are and what you're doing. Can you talk about how you had to navigate that? If there have been any struggles for you that you felt the pressure from, how did you deal with that? How did you navigate that? Um, maybe even tell us a story about how you've had to kind of blast through some perceptions that people have had about you as an entrepreneur. I think as a female entrepreneur, I think we all suffer from imposter syndrome and I still have that to this day. And even when you're reading my bio, like, did I really did that? Like, I'm embarrassed, right? Like we wow. have this perfection trap in our head mm. that, you know, we're not good enough, even though we've done things that, is that really me? I still question myself. And so you don't like to put yourself out there because even me running this podcast, like I'm, I would rather be behind the scene. I don't have, I feel like I'm not the right person to be up front. I, I should not be talking because I don't sound too smart. You know, it like it, it's just too much in your head, that negativity in your head. Right, I'm right, slowly right. reminding myself to get rid of that. Mm -hmm. But still, it's very hard. And I still suffer from that. But I think I'm getting better. But it still come up that imposter syndrome is really hard to get rid. When you're showing, I think you're showing your sons, one of all, you know, first of all, that you can do it, you know, that whether you're a woman or a, or a man, it doesn't matter that as long as you've got your mindset fixed on one particular thing, and you have a strategy down that's proven successful, you have a tr proven track record. I, I always think it's interesting that no matter how much we do, we always have imposter syndrome going forward because we're stepping into this new space. So it's really interesting that you're doing that. And, and you have, as you said, now uh, uh, IVH Media, which you are, you have a podcast, um, Inspire Her. Inspired by Her, yes. Inspired by Her um, with Kate Hancock. Talk a little bit about the podcast and what the media um, company means to you and what you're trying to accomplish, what you are going to accomplish with this. 
Okay, so our big hair audacious goal for IBH Media is to inspire 1 billion people from all over the world. Ooh. That's massive, right? Like, hey, that's why it's big hair audacious goal. Definitely. Why does not go big, <laughs> go home? So by sharing people's um, entrepreneur's journey, triumphs and, and failures and success, I think that's our main goal. So n- now we are a... Um, it's crazy. We started April one and we ranked number three in Asia. Wow. Uh, yeah. It's such an honor. Um, it, we were behind Tim Ferriss and Gary V and then me, it was like, I'm the only Filipina in that <laughs> entrepreneur category. And wow. uh, so we started it because we have nothing else to do in this quarantine. Like, why don't we just start a podcast and literally <laughs> We launched an ebook on how to launch a podcast in 48 hours and we did it in two days. And my friend, like, how did you do that? Like, you just do it. Like, don't wait. Like, the more you kind of overthink things, nothing's going to happen. Right. So so that is our main goal. And so now we are trying to really um, market it heavily in Asia. I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. Uh, it's easier to acquire customer that the cost of customer acquisition is nothing. So it's easier mm. to create a brand for me. And mm. that's why how I built that brand remotely, it's, it's so much easier and it's fun because I could get 10 million views from doing it from my home, right? Wow. Doing that content. So that really, again, gave me so much, you know, inspiration like I can do this thing I can create a brand and with a hotel brand in the Philippines Bintana Sapar Iso I would love that to be a public trade company in Asia that's my big hair audacious goal so I would like to have a one a brand that's IPO in my lifetime that's my goal (laughs) something tells me you're going to achieve that goal and probably sooner than you think Um, probably And we've got a couple of comments too, some people who've been following along and loving your story. Um, Tamara Rashid, she has, Tamara has a bunch of comments down here. She said, Kate, I think you sow so much humility and that you don't need the ego to carry what you do. You're so action focused. That's really amazing. So she's really affirming what you're saying. I, I think it's so awesome as well. Um, it's, your story is so inspiring. And you said that your goal now is to inspire 1 billion people. As you look over the horizon, you know, what's, what's next for you in terms of growth, potential, um, obstacles, things that you're just working through? And what, what, what do you see taking your career next? You know, I've predicted. I've already traveled places that I wanted to go. I've already explored things on my wish list. So I think right now I'm super clear with my purpose in life. I just want to help people. I don't need a lot of material things. It doesn't make you happy. I'm super clear with my purpose and like hiring Filipinos. That's my give back to my community because coming up from an island, nothing like I was able to do this. I was in tap into leveraging and connecting people that does amazing thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm so happy and excited for that. Just, you know, having that community of really supportive and embracing to you and having a, being a female Filipina, 
I mean, I barely, I, I don't have a good grammar, to be honest with you. I wish I do have a good English grammar. I'm terrible at it. But no, you don't no, have no. to be perfect. I think you right. just don't have to know everything. I think leveraging of hiring the best people that they're good at or focusing into things that you love doing and delegate that stuff that you hate to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I think, um, but I'm super clear with my purpose. I just want to inspire people. And every day I would get messages from LinkedIn, from Filipinos that I'm inspiring them. Look, that's my purpose in life. I'm happy and fulfilled Whether I know one day I can IPO that, but that's not, I'm not into the money thing. Yes, it's there, mm-hmm. but I think inspiring to me is fulfilling than anything. I love that. I love that. What would you leave with, um, as we're getting towards wrapping up now, what would you leave with an entrepreneur who's maybe, maybe, you know, they're, they're just starting out or maybe they've, they've bumped over that six figure mark, right? And they, they're eyeing a million dollars. They're eyeing $10 million, but it, it's tough right now, maybe. Um, and the, the future is murky for as it is for a lot of people. What would you tell them, um, to inspire them to keep moving them forward and, and to keep chasing and pursuing and building their dream. Okay. At this time, if you, you don't have a startup, I would recommend to buy existing business. There's a lot of opportunity, but make sure you do it ethically. Um, I would not do a startup right now because in reality, even before COVID 90% of the startup fail, right? I would acquire a business that already has an existing brand recognition, instant sale and scale it. If you don't know how to scale it, hire someone to help you out. I think the risk of buying a business is, I mean, startup is so terrible. A 49% doesn't have any market demand to an percent of the startup run out of money. So I would say buy an existing business that are successful look at their um, finances and make sure I, what I look for personally is I look for a business that has a minimum revenue of a million dollar with at least 400 K of profit. That's what I look for. Mm -hmm. And I look for a business that's not evolving constantly. That's a Mm -hmm. risk for me. That's what I would recommend. No, I think think that's great advice. It's very practical advice. Um, I've been looking into investing in, existing businesses as well for a while just kind of educating myself in that whole process because um well for for a number of different reasons but i love love what you said right because there's your and again it plays right into your strategy your mo you want to minimize the risk you want to you know go in with the upside already built in and so i love that i love that that's how you think and i I appreciate you sharing that with us so for those who want to know more about you about what your brands about your podcast and things of that nature. Tell us where they can get in contact with you, where can they find the podcast and um, learn more about what you're up to. Yeah, so you can go to my website, katehancock.com and my podcast is Inspired by Her. Um, it's an iTunes, Spotify, and I'm on Instagram, an official Kate Hancock. And I'm so honored and thank you for having me, Frederick. It was an honor to have you here with us today, Kate, and for sharing your story. It's so amazing. The pivot queen herself, so it's we hope you enjoyed the show don't forget to rate review and subscribe and visit katehancock.com so you don't miss out on the next episode <laughs>